Pelican Project podcast. I'm Crystal. And I'm Kelly. We want to welcome you, invite you, pull up a chair to our table and join in the conversation. Happy Fat Tuesday. It is Fat, Fat Tuesday. Tuesday. I cannot believe it. It's here. I know. It's very exciting. King, going to have some king cake? Yeah. So I, Teresa Spenny is on our board. She's a dear friend, um, sister. Her and I used to make, we had a king cake recipe and we used to sell them as a fundraiser like years and years and years ago. And so we would, we had this tradition of getting together a few days before Fat Tuesday to make these king cakes. And it's so funny because these king cakes, Crystal, I'm not kidding. They are humongous, like (laughs) so big that we at times, like it was like busting at the seams of the oven. They're so, I do not know why they're always so huge. But we would make so many of them. And um, and then we got to the point where, you know, we weren't selling them anymore. We were just giving them away to people who loved them. And right. it's such a good recipe. I can't eat them because they have wheat in them. But um, I hear they're fabulous and they look great. <laughs> they smell really good, right? <laughs> they smell delectable. Yes. <laughs> um, but I make sure I have some, some sort of Fat Tuesday. Um, I do something comparable, you know, cause it's fun. It's, it's, it's so important, like for just in, in the domestic church to like live the liturgical cycle. And of course that Tuesday isn't necessarily, um, part of the liturgical part calendar, of it, but it, it marks, you know, it, the buildup. Okay. Tomorrow's Lent. Like we're getting that's into it. some stuff. Yeah. That's it. Because so it marks it for the kids. It does. So for every fat Tuesday, <laughs> there must be the Ash Wednesday. <laughs> yes. Tomorrow. So Lent begins tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we thought we would take today and talk about what is Lent. What is Lent? What, what is Lent? And in a really, like, I feel bad saying that. Like, I mean, of course, all of you know what Lent is. Um, but saying this, having this conversation in a way that helps you really allow your kids to understand this season we're stepping into so that you can do it as a family. Because Crystal, we, what we talked about before when we were sharing unvarnished canvas um, is that I think there's a tendency, especially in these seasons of preparation, where, okay, mom does her Bible, her study, and dad is, is doing his, and the kids aren't really doing anything concrete. And so we're all preparing for Easter in a different way but we're not doing it as a family. So those conversations aren't happening. We're not necessarily all on the same page. Our hearts are being moved in different ways. And that's, and that's fine if you've done that in the past, but we really want to invite you to do it as a family because it's so much more powerful when you can prepare as a unit. And I, I really do think that that's how God desires us to do it, especially as parents. We're supposed to right. lead if you were to ask If you were to ask some kids, you know, what is Lent? They'd be like, that time before Easter where mom makes me give up candy. Yeah. Well, actually, so funny. You have funny to eat fish on Friday. Yes. It's when I can't have a hamburger. It's so <laughs> funny you say that. I was asking the, asking the kids the other day. I said, okay, you know, what season's coming up? And you know that you know my kids by their answers. <laughs> One said Lent and the other said Easter baskets. And I'm like, okay, yep, yep. <laughs> I oh know. Oh, my goodness. Both of you yes. are... Yeah. So, I mean, even to the best of us, I, I talk about these things with my kids all the time. And 
that's why we just have to keep having these conversations because some fall right in and just embrace it and others they don't need a little help. <laughs> so yes, all children embrace learning about their faith differently. And, you know, I, I also think that Fiona tries to be just super funny all the time. <laughs> you know how that is. But um, we have in our, if you're not familiar, if the, you're listening to us for the first time on our website, pelicanprojectministry.org, we have um, a toolbox where we have just a bunch of free resources, free digital downloads. And one of those is a pray, grow, serve bundle that you can download. And it's a, a um, guide every single week that you can use for your kids to pray, grow, and serve to joyfully reawaken the culture of life within your home. And we follow the liturgical cycle. So true to fashion, this week for our kids coming up, we're going to be, or I guess it was just released, this Sunday's is our What is Lent Pray, Grow, and Serve, because we really want to make sure that you as parents have the language to explain to your kids. Like, I have no doubt, I mean, even myself, you know, yeah, do you know what prayer is? Of course I know what prayer is. Okay, explain it to a four-year-old, you know? Okay, explain it to a 15-year-old. Those conversations look different, but fundamentally it's the same thing, you know? Um, prayer is a conversation with God. You talk. And then you got to listen. So, you know, what does that look like? And, and kind of talking about the specifics. So let's go. We're just going to go through it, give you a few little anecdotes throughout it. And the first part of it, just ask, what is Lent? What is Lent? So when you're explaining to your kids, it's really great to do it in context, helping them understand. So where do we get this concept of Lent? We understand the 40 days of Lent as a time of preparation during which we are remembering Jesus's passion. We're remembering his, his suffering, even during his earthly ministry. We remember his agonizing passion, and we are looking ahead to his glorious resurrection. And, and what does that mean? Like, you can ground that as a parent in, in the understanding that, okay, you are here, and you are a Catholic. We are a Catholic family. You are baptized into the church. And our entire life is a preparation for our own glorious resurrection. Um, our whole entire life is supposed to look like following in the footsteps of Christ. And Lent is this really beautiful time where we can just really hone in and focus focus in on what the entirety of the, the year should look like in terms of walking in Christ's path. Right. Um, but it allows that... that what the, the entire year? I like yeah, that. the entire year, and it, it allows you that focused time. It's like um, you could call it like um, my neighbor's doing a boot camp right now. You know, it's like she always has a desire to be fit, and she's always working out. But stepping in, you know, it's a silly way to explain it, but taking a very specific, focused, intense period of time um, to kind of redirect your heart, your habits, your spiritual life, all of those things. And that's what we're doing. Cause ultimately we were created, um, to live in heaven with Christ forever. So, so yeah, so you just want to start that off and let your kids give your kids some context. And then, um, the next part of it, of course, how long is Lent? Right. Yep. So 40 days, but you know what? My favorite part about what you have here and the how long is Lent is this line where you say, like Jesus, during Lent, we intentionally work on hearing the voice of God, the Father in our hearts. And then how you break down, um, how do we hear God's voice? 
Um, and the, the church invites us to pray fast and give alms. So those are the ways in which we hear God's voice. Those are just like another set, another to-do list. Like, okay, praying, got that. Check that off my list for the day. Alms giving, yes. Fasting, yes. Check those. It's not check, you're not checking boxes for Lent. It's so that you can be, it prepares you to hear the voice of God and what he's trying to, how he's trying to work with you during this time what he's asking of you, what he wants to, what he wants you to let him do through you. Amen. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. I think it's beautiful too. And it it, it invites having these conversations with your kids, especially if you're following along with us with Unvarnished Canvas, because we're going to be doing that for the next six weeks. So please, if you haven't downloaded it, go get it. And, And all of these infographics, all of these guides for your children are built right into this study that is made for parents. So you can do it together, but that's what it is. It's inviting your kids to recognize that. And I think I, I probably have shared this on the podcast before, but it bears repeating because I really think it resonated with the kids. This is not something that, okay, the entire church does this, um, prepares Christ creates it. God creates all of us. Christ died for all of us. We all are invited to spend eternal life with him. Yes, okay, that that's all real, but it becomes very you. Le- it, it's no longer personal when it's all encompassing, right? I think this is a really great time to invite your kids to recognize that this is very personal. This is an intimate relationship that Christ desires to have with you when you're telling your child, like when Christ died for you. He had little Fiona in his mind's eye. He knew your red hair. He knew, you know, at this point in your little life, you would be living in South Carolina. Like he, he knows you and you are the purpose for which he did this. Like it just becomes so much, I don't, you know, I don't even know how to verbalize that. It just becomes so much more personal when you recognize how... Yeah, more intimate, you know, and and I gave that example about, you know, a Christmas card that somebody sends out. Now, everyone's going to hate me for this. I hate Christmas cards like that are a picture of your family. Everyone's going to hate me. No one's going to listen to this afterwards, but just hear me out. Hear me out. Crystal's like, stop talking, Kelly. Stop talking. If you take everyone's list after this, go ahead. (laughs) You take a beautiful picture of your family. Awesome. I love it. Perfect. Do that. If you send it, I love it. I love keeping up with how the family's growing. Everyone looks great. Amazing. Funny picture of your dog. Cool. Love it. I'm all in. Then you send it to a company and the company mass prints it. And then you mass sign it. Love, you know, the Smiths. And then you mass mail it. There's nothing personal about that. So when I receive it, I'm just a name on your address book that you might have forgotten to take off. I don't even know if you are familiar with everyone on your list. It's just the same duplicate list from last year. It's not personal. And it's funny because I talk to my kids about it and I make my kids write handwritten notes a lot. And so when I get a Christmas card, if you have your picture on there and, you know, it's printed out and it's great, but you give me a little handwritten note, like, you know... Yeah, I know that you know it's coming to me. It just feels better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just feel like, that, you know, that's important. That connection there. It's a connection. The eyeball to eyeball thing. It's so important. Like it's, this is for you, Kelly. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jesus says this is for you, Kelly, 
I'm, I am prompted or like, I'm going to respond in a different way than if I'm standing in a crowd of 80,000 and Jesus is up on a stage and says, Hey, this is for y'all out there. Okay. He doesn't know I'm here. Right. Just part of the crowd. Just part of the crowd. And part of the, he died for all. He did die for all, but that takes away. Each and every single one of us. I think this is, that's the opportunity, this line. And that, that's what I really try and do with my kids. And I talk to my kids about like, you know, they're all so different. Like Mia is very athletic. Fiona, she's on a bowling league and Mm -hmm. she loves it. She actually just got her trophy last night with her little pizza banquet. It's the cutest thing I've ever, it's so cute. And she, I asked her, do you want to do soccer? You want to do basketball? She's like, I want to run around chasing a ball. (laughs) <laughs> I want to. I want to do rock climbing and I want to do bowling. You got it, buddy. Whatever. I want to knock want. things over. I want to knock. Th- I, she first. <laughs> she wanted to do Ninja Warrior. We don't have a space here that does Ninja Warrior, so she. You know. But I mean, her her interests, her gifts, her talents are markedly different than that of say Alana, who's artistic and in theater, and you know, and, and a. Mia, who just eats and breathes soccer. They're all very different kids. And we talk about like, okay, how do, how can you hear the voice of God, the father within your day-to-day and your day-to-day is, is the way you share your gifts with the world. So Mia specifically, when you're out there and you're playing soccer and you're using the gifts that God gave you, how do you actually listen to what God's asking you to do at that time? You know, first, you can only do that. You have to first do that in prayer. You have to talk. You have to ask him. And then you have to listen to what he's saying. And, you know, she asked me, she's like, why does God care about me playing soccer? Like, like, what is that? What are you talking about, Kelly? And so it's so important that we teach our kids. It's not just when we're going to church. It's not just when we're volunteering. It's not just when we're sitting with scripture that we are doing the will of God. It's when we're doing everything. We, God opens doors every moment. allowing us to do his work. So I I explained to her, you know, like creating community, creating a camaraderie. There are other kids who aren't maybe as good as soccer at you. Encourage them, let them feel included. Like those are the ways God desires for you to share his love, even on the soccer field. It's not the win or loss. It's what it's, it's what you're doing as you're playing the game. Right. Even if you're just playing, you know, you're just you're just practicing and you know, all the neighborhood kids are around and somebody sees you playing soccer and they're new in the neighborhood invite him down, allow it to be a tool by which you are doing the work of God. And he gave you this gift. He, he gave you this inclination to love soccer. He gave you this gift to be able to do it well. When you explain to a 10-year-old that this is a God-given gift, it doesn't mean, I do not care if you're going to go be playing for the World Cup because chances are you're not. But the reality is, is that this is the space where God desires to use you. And how do you have that conversation with him? Through prayer. And then and then we talk about almsgiving a fast. So you want to talk about fast? Fasting. So fasting is when we're mindful of the gift of food. This is so speaking to your little ones. Let me choose to fast from the extras. Sweets, this means, so sorry, the extras like sweets. So just to give an example. So this means we don't eat them. Offering the small sacrifice in thanks to God has a beautiful sweetness that he loves. So yeah, so it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be sweet. So that's just a, an example, but fasting from something I wouldn't, I dare, I recommend, at least for my child, I recommend, like, let's set the phone down a little more often, shall we? Like from, 
let's interact with the family a little bit more instead, perhaps. I don't know. But yeah, just sort of picking something, I think, that, that takes the time. It's almost like those distractions in a way. Yeah, for sure. Like, and, and, and it taking those, those things away, those distractions, and then it really helps you sort of lean into things that might be more important. It helps you lean into that prayer life. It helps you lean into that community with your family or your friends. You know, it, it, it sort of <clears throat> gives you that focus back. I think fasting gives you the focus. Right. Um, yeah. So, traditionally, fasting was, of course, from food. So that's, we, we kept it pretty traditional and writing that there. There's actual, um, you know, Jesus talks about fasting being a powerful weapon, especially, um, you know, in scripture, you read the story, there was um, a demon that needed to be excised and, and Christ was, you know, came in and did that. And the apostles were like, you know, why weren't we able to do that? And in Christ answered, there are some demons that can only be excised through prayer and fast. So he's right. talking about how incredibly powerful that is. And, and the gift of fasting um, allows you um, to, to grow in virtue. Self-discipline is a, is a virtue and it flexes that muscle of saying, I want this. I have the habit of being a part of this, of using this, of eating this. Um, this is a part of my day to day. And well, no, it's not necessarily bad. You know, it's not bad to eat all your meals um, or eat a snack. That's not a bad thing. But when I say I am going to hit the pause button on doing that and instead I'm going to do this, you kind of replace it with something else. Or, you know, I've heard it referred to when your tummy's a little hungry because you missed a meal. You ain't going to die from that. When your tummy's a little hungry, every time it growls, that is a reminder of for you to just kind of recognize all God has, all Christ has done for you. The gift of, of his, his passion, his death, his resurrection. Um, and a grumbling tummy is pretty constant when you're hungry. And so it's just that, that kind of that gnawing in the background that is just like, you know, that reminder of like, I need to sharpen my skills over here with self-discipline because I need to grow in self-discipline with keeping up my prayer life, with resisting other temptations, you know, lust or pride or other harder things to really avoid um, because there are stronger and different temptations that hit you in a different way. So actually fasting from food is, is a really powerful way to, to exercise those muscles. And so with the kids, um, we just, we don't do dessert during Lent. But we, and I know not everyone does this, a Sunday is, is actually kind of a break in the quote, in the Lent. It is a mini Sunday. Um, I mean, I mean, excuse me, a mini Easter. Um, every Sunday we celebrate, you know, the resurrection of our Lord. So what we always, Sundays are always our dessert days. So every Sunday I make a special dessert for the family. We have a bigger meal after mass, probably around two, three in the afternoon. And I will do a homemade dessert. And like last week, Mia actually made the dessert with me, which was fun. Um, so I think we're going to continue to do that just because I love to, it's so important to make Sunday totally different than every other day of the week. Um, so, you know, you can tell your kiddos like, Hey, you know, it just, it just makes Sunday more special. And that's what we're doing here. We're flexing those habits. And another thing is, of course, we, we do not eat meat on Fridays. That's a big part of the fast too. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, Protestant friends, I've been like, I don't know why you think God cares if you eat meat on a Friday or not for six weeks. Like, what are you doing? Um, 
And I thought, you know, okay, fair question. I appreciate that question. And just, it's just the reminder of like eating meat, especially through, you know, the tradition of, you know, the last however many thousand years, eating meat is, it's, it's that big meal that y'all get together. You have, it's an indulgence. Yeah. You're celebrating something. It's an indulgence right now, you know, in today's day and age, it's, you know, it's just at the grocery store and you grab it. It's no big deal, but it used to be a very indulgent meal. And by not doing that, it, it reminds you we're in a, we're in a period of preparation. When we talk about how long Lent is, it's 40 days. It's 40 days. Cause that's how long Christ spent in the desert after his baptism being tempted in every single way by the devil. And so it's that reminder of like, Hey, I'm, I'm preparing for something big here. And it's, it's constantly pointing us to what's happening on the cross. And then what happens three days later when Christ resurrects. So, um, it's just creating better habits. You know, it takes a certain amount of time to create a habit. So it's not to say when, when Lent is over, it's all of a sudden, okay, well, back to all our bad habits. What you're supposed to be doing with Lent is you're supposed to be taking the new habits that you have cultivated and these virtues that have been exercised in a way that you haven't been in the habit of doing and, and continue on with that. So yes. every single Lent is supposed to be more and more intense because right. you're supposed to be growing and staying. It's not supposed to be a do-over every single yeah, time. It's, yeah, it's, it's supposed not a to be a continuation. Exactly. And then finally, almsgiving. Um, and of course, this is just giving giving of your time, talent, or treasure. You know, not everybody, you know, when you're talking to a little one who doesn't necessarily have a, a little piggy bank with money in it, how do you tell your kids to to tithe or to alms give. They don't have any money. They're not off the hook. They have to, they have to do something to give of their talent or their time. So that might look like you're going to spend a little extra time with mom because mom has a few extra chores to do and you're going to help out. You're going to give of your time or, um, you know. And I like the idea also. So anonymously, like you're going to help somebody out in your family. You're going to do little things throughout your days, but you're not necessarily going to tell them like there. I, I know it's like, I remember there would be a point where, you know, my daughter would be like, I did this. I did this just so you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. make sure that everybody knew what a wonderful thing <laughs> was done. But yeah, to just kind of like, you should, and I'm going to mess up which hand, you know, like not supposed to don't tell you what the right hand, hand is doing. I'm going to, I'm sure I got that wrong, but, but yeah, like, it, it, you're supposed to do it because it's just something good to do. It's not to to brag about having done such wonderful things for everybody, right? So. And then, in in to put it all in context, I mean, you know, talking with your kids about Lent, preparing them, letting them know the season we're stepping into, um, truly allowing this to be a time to commit to almsgiving for you as a parent, um, giving of your time really committing to doing unvarnished canvas for yourself and with your family. Um, it's a small amount of time that you're investing and you are breathing the truth of how much God loves your children into their hearts. That's a beautiful way, something beautiful to commit to for Lent. Um, so that is, is certainly one way that you can commit to um, almsgiving this particular Lent. And um, certainly in prayer, we encourage everybody, if you're looking for another way to bring in a prayer habit for Lent, maybe you have discerned expanding your prayer life a little bit, we would suggest talking to your family about committing to a spiritual adoption prayer. 
um, it might be a great time to bring in that new habit and practice into your, your daily prayer. So we'll put that in the show notes too. We have a spiritual adoption for the entire family. And we'll be doing it right along with you. We will. They'll be praying right with him. We're, we're praying for all of you. This Lent, Lenten is always, you know, it's a period of transformation. It's a period of preparation. And But it's also, I mean, let's be real, it's a period of temptation. That's why it's a period of, of um, transformation. And so praying for one another is super important. Make sure you're praying for your family members and um, our community here, other parents, for sure. So.